Hello there, Dunder Mifflinites, and welcome back to The Office Sleepy Time ASMR Podcast. I hope everybody is safe out there with uh, the virus, the coronavirus. I have a few friends in Italy that say that everything's alright, and so if things are there are okay, then hopefully everybody else in the U.S. is fine. But now is not a time to think about that, because we're all safe in our beds, and we're all just going to relax and fall asleep. I'm sorry, I, I even mentioned it. Maybe I'll edit this out. No, it's fine. We're all good. Tonight, we are looking at Season 2, Episode 14, The Carpet. This episode aired January 26th of 2006, written by Paul Lieberstein, also known as Toby Flenderson, and directed by Victor Neely Jr. Nelly? Victor Nelly Jr.? Look at that. And tonight, you know, we'll, we'll jump right into the episode here. I always like to remind everybody to make sure your sleep timers are set. I know the Apple Podcasts app and actually Overcast just updated theirs. You can set it to sleep at the end of the episode. So it's just done there. And, uh, you know, I've been falling asleep to the McMillions podcast recently. And that's one that is a good example of, you know, I end up rewinding in the morning to listen to what I missed. Uh, but if you haven't watched McMillions, yeah, that's a good one. That was a good documentary. I really like that on HBO. Uh, no scary stuff. I don't like scary stuff. You know, people, some people like to watch scary movies, scary shows. That is not for me. I'm an office guy. That's why we're here. So tonight, uh, let's get into the carpet. And in this episode, you know, the cold open does tie into the rest of the show, unlike many of the other ones, because we start off with Pam being on vacation, Jim looking up, and Ryan is sitting at reception. And, uh, you know, it shows how many times Jim looks up at Ryan. Jim here, wearing a nice uh, oxer cotton button-down in blue. Still doesn't fit. He, he fits later. Ryan is freaked out by Jim looking at him all the time. He says, it's nothing compared to the way that Michael looks at me. And then it cuts to uh, Michael standing and staring. Then he just turns around. And now we're into the theme song. The good old, the good views of Scranton, Pennsylvania. And, uh, I'm, I got a note when they add more people in. And it's interesting because the core cast of the show is, is Steve. Uh, oh yeah, I guess that's true. Even at this point, the cast members were full time on the show, but they didn't update the theme song until later. Oh, it must be season six. It's late. It must be after Steve. You know, I remember they added Andy. I could easily look at that. Pam back at reception. Michael asks if she got lucky. The Poconos. That's really close to Scranton. I wonder what kind of vacation that is for somebody in Scranton. The Electric City. So Pam had gone to the Poconos. She's back from vacation. 
And we have Michael headed into his office and immediately turns around. Yuck, yuck. What happened in there? And even, you know, as many times as you watch this episode, they never reveal if somebody took a dump in his office, if somebody vomited. Oh, he says someone vomited. Okay. Well, yeah, then Kevin says, I don't think that's vomit. We don't really know what it is. But Kevin here, like, walks in, like, tries to hand him his coffee, and then Michael shuts the door, says, what is it? And then Kevin is, like, panicking to get out. Says it smelled terrible. Yeah, we don't know. It could be a little bit of everything. And everybody walks in to try and see what it is. It's interesting, though, that even Dwight... And Dwight stands in there longer. And Creed says, is someone making soup? And then we have a cleaning lady that comes in and comes out wearing a mask and gloves. It's still stinky. Nobody can go in there. <laughs> Total permeation. Uh, that, that's interesting. I was thinking about this scene the other day because I know he says he's a big Fear Factor fan. I can't remember if he says anything about Joe Rogan. And it's interesting that, like, you know, 10, 14 years on from the show, Joe Rogan is one of the most powerful, you know, voices in media today through his interviews and YouTube channel. And even back then, he was he was name, you know, name checked right there. Uh, now. You know, Jim comes in, and Roy and Daryl are pulling out furniture from the office. Jim says, I did not do it. Sounds disgusting. Ryan says it wasn't him while laughing, and then gets serious and says, you know, it wasn't me. And then, uh, yeah, they're pulling all the furniture out of there. And then Michael is sitting at... Jim's desk. Ooh. I think I'm, I've just been leaving the yawns in. Just because, uh, that's just what this is. We're all falling asleep. All sleepy. So now Jim is back in the annex with Kelly. Asks if he's moving back there. And he said Toby used to sit there, but there was an allergy. And uh, Michael very happy to be sitting in the bullpen out with the sales guys. Kicks something on the desk. And uh, I think it will also be interesting to track... I, mean, I think I've mentioned this in the previous episode, is watching the show now in a completely different frame of mind doing this. Uh, it's not that I notice more details, it's that you, know, you pick up on certain things that you just don't think about when you're watching it passively as like a binge show. Right here we have Ed Truck. Uh, this is the first time we hear about Ed Truck. Michael's old manager. We get the amazing picture with Michael with a mullet 
in a fanny pack. Even like, you know, even now, like a lot of this stuff holds up. I always wonder how much the show, you know, how well the show will age in reference to something like MASH. Like when I was growing up, you know, MASH was everywhere. I was on every rerun show and you could basically always find it. And that was like 20-ish years old when I was, uh, when the reruns were running. But, you know, it's, we're coming up on, it's amazing. Like season one, we're, we're coming up, not, not exactly on 20 years, but, you know, 15 years out from, uh, from the show. Michael's in now like doing his talking heads in the conference room, and he's reminiscing about all of the fun he used to have with Todd Packer. You know, before Todd went out on the road, a lot of uh, inappropriate things. And this is, you know, Steve Carell had mentioned in an interview not too long ago that this show. This like this show wouldn't exist today in the current climate, like media environment, the Me Too movement. And I don't know if that's true because they're kind of part of what they're doing is skewering some of the stereotypes. You know, like the like the episode when uh, Dwight takes over and says that Angela can have you know control of the women or something, and it's like, yeah, that doesn't look as good today as it did in two thousand six but also you know that's part of the joke so i don't know i think that's why it is so timeless in a way is that you know the dynamics between people never really change and the show is aware enough of some of this stuff Uh, we just missed a scene where ryan comes back to talk to jim and kelly explains how hot he is and uh, asks if Jim can talk to her, talk to Ryan for her. Now we're back in the bullpen, and Michael wants to do an old-fashioned raid sales on accounting. Hey, what's up? And now just start throwing papers and books everywhere. And, And Angela looks at Dwight shakes her head and uh, he just like drops a pencil now he said watch out Pam she looks very concerned and then we have Oscar says you know what happened in Michael's office was wrong I understand it it makes sense but it was still wrong yeah why would someone ruin a perfectly good carpet? You know, Michael, this whole episode is really grappling with what happened, you know, why it happened. Is this the episode where he brings in a drug? You know, the cleaning lady looks pissed. As they cut away to her. Yeah, Roy and Daryl ripping up the carpet. Michael, uh, Michael claims, and like that's a good one there. It's like that joke, an act of terrorism was probably worse. 
only five years away from 9-11. But the show, you know, the show is aware that Michael is is uh, just that kind of character. Now we have Dwight calling into Rock 107. Is he the 10th caller? Michael says, stop it. You know, once you have an office, you get used to having an office and you know, not dealing with uh, other people all the time. Now, this is probably one of the great uh, cases for why open offices aren't that great. I know there's a lot of uh, discussion and uh, argument about it. We got Jim hanging out in the kitchen. He looks out and sees Roy and Pam chatting and just kind of turns around, sees Kelly, and then just goes into the bathroom. I think we've all found ourselves there between a rock and a hard place. Michael goes back to accounting to talk to them and they don't want to talk to him. Well, because he uh, drew other shit around. Michael says he's working for the week. He's going to put a $100 bill person with the highest sales $83 uh, for sales and uh, Dwight's pretty pumped and Michael's going to compete against them it is so on Phyllis This is still the you know the time period where Dwight is completely like you know anybody anything Michael says is rule and law. There's another scene here where Jim avoids Roy and or Pam, uh, but mostly Roy probably. Michael closes the sale and. Uh, Puts a post-it note on Phyllis's forehead, and basically reiterating why he had his office vandalized or terrorized, as he would put it. And then as he's dancing, Daryl says, "Hey, you know what's that? What is that? Extreme home makeover. Put together a house in an hour. He'd be fired like that." Yeah, there is a turning point in those first couple episodes of season two where Michael becomes a way more aware and relatable character. And I feel like this is the episode that really, you know, like hammers it home that, you know, we're meant to laugh at Michael in a way, but also empathize with him because we bounce between... You know, the joke's like when he's dancing there, and then we go back to when he's kind of contemplating why it did this happen to him, and why, uh, you know, why it happened. You see him grapple with that right here when he, 
you know, overhears Creed and Oscar talking about it, and he's hurt, and then he then calls it, you know, he's a victim of a hate crime. Stanley would understand, and he hated it. And and that, so, you know, thinking about the show and these wider arcs of the characters, you know, this is definitely one where you start to see that Michael, that we can begin to empathize and relate to Michael while he also becomes, you know, 0.02% more aware with each of these episodes and as things progress and happen. And, uh, you know, it's one of the reasons the show became so successful in the end. Now we're back in the kitchen here. We have Ryan and Jim and the and asks, you know, what do you think of Kelly? Ryan Ryan starts to answer inappropriately, sees a camera and, and stops. And you know, Jim's getting a sense now if uh how much he should divulge. Ryan wants to know if it's a long term or short term and if Jim can find out. So he is now Cupid. And Kelly is like, long-term, fall in love, have babies, spend every second together, but don't tell him that. And uh, we're back in the kitchen with Creed and Michael. He says, you know, they're talking about Ed Truck. And Michael's afraid, turning into Ed Truck being buried alive would be worse than turning into Ed Truck. Oh yeah, this is, okay, so Ed Truck meets him out, like in the back of the building because Mike Michael told him that you know, his pension, there's something wrong with his pension clerical error were good and he, you know, this is Michael trying to find somebody to really empathize with what happened in the office. And Ed said, you know, someone did that to my office once. When he says that, he says that figures. He says, you know, you can't expect to be friends with everybody. I'll always think of you as a boss first. And Michael's, you know, pushing back on the idea uh, wow, Ed Truck is tall. Michael, how tall is Steve Crowell? I guess Steve Crowell's not that tall. But then we come back to Talking Head, and Michael is, you know, I would have given a kidney to anybody in this office, but I don't have the relationship with these people now. So, well, that's just, uh, it's just, you know, it is a pivotal stage. Michael getting it, but he always has that familial uh, relationship to some degree with the people in there. Michael, or uh, Jim now in the back giving a call to the woman from the booze cruise, the corporate woman from the booze cruise, and Kelly kind of listening in. And Jim, like, you know, nervous about it. I think it's cute. Jim's just a cutie. 
you know, and I guess I'd be in the group, I feel like most people are listening to this as like the mid to older millennial group. I'll talk about this later because right now we have uh, Todd Packer calling Michael and says, oh, you gay nerd. And Packer wants to know if he got the package he left for Michael. And Michael didn't know. He said it was a pretty big package. Then he left in the middle of the office. And he means the thing. And that's when it dawns on Michael that it was Packer. And that makes it all fine. I guess there is a point. I guess, what season is that? Is that season six or seven when Packer like comes in, Michael brings him into the office as a, as a agent or uh, gets him out of the field and then realizes that he actually isn't a good person? I, I feel like I know the first six seasons really well. Or I guess the first half of season six, but then at, beyond that, you know, I never really repeated those later seasons so much because I've I've been with the show for so long I'll look at the years on those ones but uh, we have the day wrapping up here everybody's got their bags and they're heading out Jim picks up his phone to listen to his seven unheard messages all seven of them are from Pam and uh it's just her missing her friend. And you can see instantly that Jim is like so pleased to hear her voice and to know that she was thinking of him. And then we follow Jim on the way out. And that's, uh, you know, gets in his car and heads out. And she has a thing stuck in her shoe. And it's basically what helps him gonna glide right home happily. And an interdepartmental conspiracy uh, related to what happened to Michael's uh, four. And that's how we end the episode is uh, Jim feeling the love by Pam. Pamela Ding Dong. So that is the carpet. Everybody should be well well off in the dreamland to sleep. I appreciate you listening to the show, as always. And from Scranton, Pennsylvania, this is a great Scott production. Good night.